GBS needs to die to be reborn in a different way. First of all, the labor arbitrage game is almost over. Second, our GBS organizations are getting too complex and we start to lose the relevancy. Third, people don't want to do transactional work. Yeah? Can you imagine your six years old kid doing the work of your AP clerk as it is done today? Finally, we are failing with technology adoption. Last five to 10 years. Welcome to the GBS Masterminds podcast, the one and only platform for global business service leaders to share their experiences of building world-class shared service organizations. My name is Sashi Narathari, founder and CEO of HiRadius, and I'll be your host. Today, I'm honored to host Maciek Pivovarczyk, a business leader with over 20 years of experience. Over his career, Maciek has worked with some of the most reputed organizations such as Hewlett Packard, Accenture, and CBRE. He's currently with Discovery, leading GBS globally as Global VP. But the wind change is coming for Macek. He will elaborate on it more himself. Macek, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here, Sashi. Uh, great pleasure. Thank you for having me. You bet. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us about your career and how it's evolved over the years. Yeah, so, you know, I'm a Polish citizen based in Warsaw, but traveling across the globe, especially pre-COVID times, having very difficult time to pronounce, uh, even though you did excellent, Sashi. I typically go by magic, which is actually the closest to the way how, how it should be pronounced. I'm a happy father of, of two boys, uh, Tomek and Szymek. Plus, I'm a fantastic husband to my wife, which I'm sure she would agree, yeah? But uh, if I was not into GBS or career coaching, I would be into sports, uh, playing professionally soccer or tennis. Professionally, yeah, 20 years plus of experience in shared services and, and outsourcing business. It started with Hewlett Packard, as you said, as an assistant in accounting department. Then it evolved to a EMEA leader for business operations. Then it was Accenture, where I learned about the art of possible from outsourcing BPO and I've also experienced the shortest promotion track to a manager and then to a director in Poland practice as a little achievement. Then it was CBRE when I moved to the client side and, and I was I assumed the role of, of the shared service leader for Europe, uh, transforming. And then the offer from Discovery came. And as you said, the wind of change is coming. I've been leading uh, operations globally, having people across the globe. And, and end of June, I will be leaving Discovery. It's been amazing years, greatly transformative in all means. Three major reorganizations, six managers, hundreds of CIs implemented, two greenfield projects in Poland and, and in India. So many people careers that flourished in, in my team. Uh, amazing time. But again, as mentioned, I feel like it's an optimal time for me to move on and, and begin my, my new chapter. So kind of summarizing, advice, design, and deliver tangible outcome while growing people. This is truly what uh, keeps me uh, keeps me motivated. All right, super impressive career growth. And you're in the middle of all the action being in Poland and you're probably seeing. So the next uh, few dead or alive questions would be very relevant for you. So let's start with the first one, Maciek. This is about BPOs. In 10 years, do you think BPOs for outsourcing will be dead or alive? It will be alive, no doubt. Yeah, but before we, we go there, 
you know, as famous Nobel Award Danish scientist Niels Boch said, prediction is very difficult exercise, especially if it's about the future, but I'll, I'll do my best, Sashi. You know, back to BPO. In the past, I heard about predictions for BPO to be dead. Here we are today with BPO booming so nicely, okay? Obviously, we all know that for BPO to work, client must have a reasonable scale, proper company culture, strong technology capability, and the right talent. If you meet all those criteria, hybrid delivery model, including BPO, it shall be your end state aspiration. Moving into the future, in 10 years time, if not sooner, BPOs must transform to become client technology enabler and the partner, operationally integrated with the delivery system, delivery ecosystem. This model is the future to deliver true value add. And I strongly believe it's possible and this is already happening in some cases. Also for BPO to make it happen, they must abandon their back office mask, reshape their talent pool. They must also kind of drop all the politics and simply focus on delivering in a very similar session as we run our captives. That is agile, customer centric, but most importantly, relevant and reliable way. It's also true that the buyer side must change and must enhance. There are still many GBS executives typically promoted from within organization who have very little clue about BPO and they are still the ones who lead and shape it all. You can only guess what will be typically the end state outcome. Plus buyers often expect outcome attitude from BPO because it sounds so nice. In reality, it can be either or. So concluding, I do believe that the optimal model, including BPO as a part of your delivery ecosystem, it should be the end aspiration for everybody. However, it requires a heavy step up on, on both sides, BPO and the buyer, the client. Yeah? Awesome. I think the way you're saying it is they will be alive because they'll have to make some transformation going from the current model. And you, you believe that the business model transformation from just pure labor cost arbitrage to tech-enabled services, as an example, would happen. Is that a good way to summarize? Correct. And without this transformation, my answer would be that. Got it. All right. The next data alive question, Machek, is in 10 years, will large centralized service centers be dead or alive, especially given the COVID effect now of work from home, work from anywhere, all the new emerging trends? They will be dead. And, and let me expand on it. First, it's a great question. It's so timely in the context of COVID and, and the fact that during the last 15 to 18 months, we operated globally from home and it worked for most part. Was it optimal? Not at all. Yeah? I'm of the view that the hybrid model is the optimal way for people in the context of their life and work balance, for our operational efficiency, but also for innovation purposes. By hybrid, I mean two, three days a week from home and two, three days a week from office. Now, how to make the hybrid model work? Since I don't believe it is as simple as many companies say nowadays. I dare say even that today, most of the hybrid models are broken for two simple reasons. First, our offices have not been turned to a proper and true collaboration design. Second reason is far more complex. If we come to the office, we shall collaborate face-to-face -face with our teams. We should brainstorm. And we should not be taking calls and responding to emails at our desk. So the two, three days a week, we operate without Zoom calls, dedicating majority of our time to brainstorm the workshops, collaborate, innovate. Yeah, Running global operations makes it even tougher. Is it feasible to adjust? It is. 
but I don't believe we have the answer. We're not even close to the solution. So definitely a challenge for us all. So answering your question, physical centers will be dead as we see them today, but the presence will stay. The presence, which will be mainly about creative and innovative impact, key enabler to transformation agenda. Got it. That's a very good point. Actually, so I'm just giving my own live example today. After a call, I'll be driving to work, but it's not like back-to-back Zoom calls. We have teams globally. So I literally would drive to work and I might end up spending half my time or more in the office again on Zoom calls. I'll sometimes ask myself, what's the purpose? Mm-hmm. But I'm totally with you. We have to change that to take advantage of what we can do in person that cannot be done over the Zoom. Yeah. Awesome. So next one is RPA. In the next 10 years, do you think RPA in the current form, which is mostly like an as-is screen flow automation, will be dead or alive? Dead. And I don't believe it has ever been alive, for real, to be honest. Back in 2015-16, I wrote uh, one of the first articles in Polish media about RPA, describing it as a Macron steroids. Workaround where a system solution fails or system upgrade is too expensive. And I've been skeptical at that time about its potential to revolutionize our industry. Seven years later, now don't get me wrong, RPA automated many of our processes in some industries, but its adoption rate in terms of scale and positive return on investment was minimal or none for most of us. In fact, they did RTA, robotic tasks automation. Now, why is that? There are three simple reasons. First, our processes are still not fully standardized. The pace of change is getting faster and faster. Second, believe it or not, but we still struggle with data integrity. And finally, BPOs who shall lead the way, in most cases, commercially, they still operate on fixed fee or FT-based deal. So concluding, RPA played a very important role as an educational factor and PR about automation, kind of the art of possible. In 10 years time, it will still exist, but it's not even close to a definition of disruptive uh, technology. On the other hand, like high radius and similar niche companies, but very fast growing companies, is actually a very good example of perfect approach to automation. You guys have your area of specialization. Your tool is almost like plug and play. And finally, the business case works. I'm talking about 12 to 15 months break-even points. And I feel like this is the business area that will boom in the next few years in the space of uh, automation. All right. You started by saying predicting the future is hard, but you did one in 2015. So we better pay (laughs) attention to your rest of your predictions. So we'll go through this. Uh, AI, another technology. In fact, there's a lot of confusion between RP and AI, believe it or not. They're very different technologies. AI is a bit different. Actually, it has probably more hype than RPA. I mean, companies like Google, Microsoft are betting billions of dollars. But I wanted your honest opinion from a GBS perspective. I mean, what have you seen in 10 years? Will it be dead or alive? Yeah, so from GBS, definitely, that's what I can comment. Alive. Alive, I'm quite confident about it. I see artificial intelligence as a next step after RPA with all the lessons learned. And this is a very important factor because if similarly to IPA, uh, if IPA will not follow a different path, it will die. On the contrary, which I believe it will be the path, AI is approached holistically as a key enabler to your delivery ecosystem with precise area of specialization. Now, as you said, I consider AI still as a new technology with far more unknown than known potential for our industry. 
And for this specific reason, uh, there is no better place to test it with GPS and shared services to, to get the best out of it. Now, yes, we shall be reaching for the moon and I consider today AI as the moon for us, but we must get the basics right. To get the basics right, it will require, require great technology investment and the right seat at your company's table to push for the right decisions. For example, cloud-based ERP systems and, and reorganization so that you as a GPS leader, you can see and adequately fix the full spectrum of the data in the end-to-end -end way as your customers see it. And then you can analyze it and make an impact to the customer from this end-to-end process view as the customer sees that, not as traditional silos we still operate at. Absolutely. That's a good way to summarize. I think we think about AI high potential, but the key is AI operates on data and you got to have that end-to-end -end process data in some form of single place to really bring the impact. Yes, yes. Totally agree. Great. Machek, next question is India as a top service center location in 10 years, as you know, currently there is a consistent wage increase in India that's been happening probably for more than a decade. The inflation rate increases that we see globally now, but it's been around in India for almost a decade. Given all of those uh, cost increases, do you think India has a job as a top choice for service center, be dead or alive? Well, it will be, it will be alive. I, I have also no doubt here. First, since my early days of dealing with people in India, I've been impressed with their work ethic, attitude, greatly diversified culture, great ability to adapt. They, they have been a great inspiration for me. Second, you know, India with its scale and experience and the talent has a huge potential. The world in 10 years time will be 70, 80% plus led by technology. And it will be very much about outcome, solution mindset, quick learning and adaptability skills. I have no doubt that India talent can and will evolve to maintain its position as a key destination. About the inflation, as you said, it's a global challenge nowadays. But I, as you said also very rightly, that I've seen double digit in India since I remember. I'm talking about yearly salary inflation. And adequately, for example, the labor arbitrage delta towards Central Europe has been shrinking for many years. And this trend must be stopped. Despite what, what many say, cost is, cost was, and cost will be a major factor to grow our business. And we can see it even now in a post-COVID world, which put many companies in a very cost-pressure environment. So yes, India leaders, you must fix your salary inflation trend if you want to be alive in 10 years' time, and I'm sure you'll, you'll find a way. All right. Great advice for all the GBS leaders from India who are listening to this podcast. All right. The last but not the least, the fate of GBS itself. I know this is the world we all live in. Machek, what do you think? 10 years from now, will it be dead or alive? Thank you for this question, Sashi. You know, I will act here as a, as a GBS rebel because I feel like a GBS needs to die, to be reborn in a different way. Why am I saying that? I mean, first of all, the labor arbitrage game is almost over. Second, uh, our GBS organizations are getting too complex and, and we start to lose the relevancy, the, the speed to respond, critical already now. Third, people don't want to do transactional work. Yeah, I mean, not to mention that the future workforce needs and expectations. Can you imagine your six years old kid doing the work of your AP clerk as it is done today? I cannot, you know. Additionally, there is this great designation trend that will definitely influence the workforce. Finally, you know, we are failing with technology adoption. Last five to 10 years, these were the baby steps, far too small and far too slow, and it must all change. What will be the different way? 
you know, I can imagine GBS as a, as a tech-enabled service, the outcome of true technology revolution combined with the simplification of our org and operating model design. 50% of operations will be led by technology being the outcome of mass scale automation. And us, as GBS leaders, who are true experts in technology, will be leading teams, you can call it center of excellence, you can call it innovative center. These teams will be smaller, far smaller than today, full of you know tech enablers, engineers, out of the box, innovative thinkers, but also obviously great process and statutory SMEs to assure compliance and, and the quality. I can imagine that it will need to be a far simpler model than today, where a GBS leader will act as, a, as an extension of the, of the function and will accept the role of a charismatic enabler, you know, still pulling the strings to make it all work, connecting the dots, but operating far more in the shadow than in the front seat as it is today. To summarize it, in this model, you know, today's pyramid will be put upside down, where a vast majority of our time will be spent in technology enablement, customer experience, and overall ecosystem orchestration versus what it is today, which is primarily about people management and very complex stakeholder management. I think it could work and it would make a significant difference. On a closing note, Maciek, you're in Poland and probably seeing what's happening in Ukraine. So what, what do you think leaders globally should know? Yeah, I mean, thank you for this question. This matter is very important to, to us all. For, for Poles in particular, you know, it brings all the bad memories of 1939 when first were invaded by German Nazis and then 17 days later by Soviet Union. And the narrative and the protocol that Putin and Russia followed today is almost a copy and paste of 1939. It is shocking. Yeah. Now, you know, Polish people are very close to Ukrainian people, despite our difficult, great history. It's been a very tough time to go through. More than 2 million refugees came to Poland within the first three weeks only after the war. So it's a huge number. And we've been doing our best to help them, offering often our homes for them to stay. It's been amazing to see this society movement as a kind of a bottom-up initiative. The great positive of the last almost two months is that I have never seen the world united the way it has been over this. Regardless of where the person is from, the response that, that I have seen was shock, empathy, and desire to help. It is inspiring for me as a, as a human being. Now, what can we do, how we can help? First, we need to be careful where we get the info from, where we get the news from, so that we separate true information from fake news. Second, we must drop political correctness and speak the truth as it is. Russia invaded Ukraine and people, including thousands of civilians, are being killed as we speak now in 2022. Next, we shall support the best we can with donations. Plus, we must keep pushing our local countries and authorities to do the right thing. We will win, I have no doubt, and we'll become stronger and better as a global society of human beings. Once again, thanks for this question, Sashi. It's, it's an extremely important matter for us all. I appreciate the response. It's, I can say that it's shocking that it is happening in 2022. And, and we're all just watching and feel helpless. But yeah, thank you for that. And thanks for the support for all the Ukrainian citizens. I think Poland is probably taking brunt of it. But thanks for doing that. And then for the responses, Magic, this has been a very insightful conversation. 
and it's been a delight to have you on the masterminds today thank you thank you thank you sashi that was the gbs masterminds podcast for more information visit gbsmasterminds.com and make sure to search for gbs masterminds in apple podcasts google podcasts spotify or anywhere else podcasts are found Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at High Radius, thanks for listening.